Praise God. The song says, when I think of how he came so far from glory and came to dwell among the lowly, such as I, to suffer shame and such disgrace on Mount Calvary, to take my place, then I ask myself this question, who am I? And I'm, I'm think, I don't know why I'm thinking about this example, but I'm thinking about when the seven sons of Sceva encountered a demon-possessed man, and they started commanding that demon to come out of that man in the name of Jesus Christ and of Paul. And the demon cried out and said, well, we know Jesus. We know who he is. And oh, we, we know who Paul is, but who are you? And the story goes that they, the demon uh, uh, took over that man, and that man beat up and stripped naked those seven men and sent them running with their, you know, their tails between their legs, so to speak. And there have been a time or two when I've been ministering to someone and praying for someone, and I would hear the challenge. Who do you think you are? Who are you? We've been singing uh, militaristic songs this morning, last Sunday or two, Onward Christian Soldiers, and uh, things of that nature. Uh, you know, get up and fight type of songs, stand up for Jesus kind of songs, fight, fight, fight kind of songs, you know. And the, the cry might come back to us, well, who do you think you are? Who are you to tell us what to do? The Bible says that, that, uh, that there are principalities and there are powers and there are spiritual wickedness in high places. There's the rulers of the darkness of this world that we wrestle against. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we're, we're fighting a highly sophisticated spiritual battle against forces that have been at it for eons and eons and eons. They know what they're doing, and we are mere amateurs. And so the cry might come to you, well, who am I to stand up in the face of principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places? Who am I to tell the devil what to do? Most Christians, they don't even want you talking about the devil. I, I've had pastors tell me, please don't talk about the devil in, uh, when, you're in, when you're preaching in my church. And I'd say, why? And he said, well, we're afraid he'll show up. We're afraid of him. Yeah, we're afraid of him. Well, one, one night I was preaching uh, about deliverance and, and ministering deliverance to people. And this was years ago. And uh, I leaned over the pulpit. We had those swinging you know, saloon-type doors back in the back. And I leaned over and I pointed at those doors, and I said, one of these days a demon-possessed man is going to come running through those doors asking for us to help him. And while my finger was still out, those doors swung open with a loud noise, and a man came running through with a leather jacket on, came down the aisle, took his jacket off, threw it in the, in the front pew, and knelt at the communion table and said, somebody please help me. And I'm doing this. 
And as he's coming down, we had a center aisle, and as he's coming down the aisle, everybody, I mean, just almost like in unison, shifted towards the windows. I had deacons in that church, and they ran out the back. So I went around the communion table. I knelt beside the guy, and, and I asked him what was going on, and, and it was obvious that he was, he was demonized. And I had a reel-to-reel tape recorder running. It was recording the whole thing. And I began to command those demons to come out of this man. And they began to scream out, We live here. This is our home. Leave us alone. I got it on tape. How would you like to have that gathering demoniac experience on tape? Whoa. Can you imagine? I got that. I got that demon talking on tape. But you know what? The name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. It breaks every chain. We just sung about it. And that demon says, who are you? Who are you that you tell me I've got to leave? This is my home. I live here. Talking about in that man. And I says, I'm the man who's coming to evict you. Get out now. And that demon came out of him. And that man just relaxed. This peaceful look came over his face. He looked up at me and he said, where am I? Where am I? Then I called the last remaining deacon and I said, take him in the back room and take him through the scriptures and make sure he's born again, you know. And, uh, and so when he left, I told the church, I said, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Well, they accused me of staging the whole thing. The man was trying to commit suicide and he went across the bridge where there was a lake. He had his family in the car and he kept ramming the guardrail trying to drive his car off into the lake. And it wouldn't break. And so he came on down the road. That road just happened to come right by our church. And he said when he came in front of our church, the car just turned and stopped at our steps. I mean, it came right up on our front steps and stopped. And he got out and came in. And his family's still sitting out in the car terrified. So we sent somebody out there to invite them in and but I said to the church, I said, this, God will give us a ministry of setting people free. And you know what they said? Oh, we hope we never see anything like that again. That just scared me to death. Well, we don't want the devil in our church. And you know what? God heard them because it never happened again. You see, God offered us he offered us a fight to get engaged in, and we turned him down because it was going to be messy, and it was going to be scary, and it was going to be supernatural. And people who live in the flesh and dwell in the flesh and only think in the flesh, they want no part of the supernatural. The supernatural scares the woolies out of them because they don't know God, and they don't know the power of God. They have a form of religion that says and, and pretends to know God, but they don't want anything to do with the supernatural power of God. But if you're going to be follower of Jesus Christ 
and you're going you're gonna to follow him and do what he says and say, he's my commander, he's my chief, he's the, he's, he's the commander of the Lord's army, and we're going to take our orders from Jesus, he's Lord of all, he's my master, and whatever he tells me to do, I'm going to do, then you're going to fight supernatural battles. And the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to be challenged in your identity. The devil's going to see to it that somehow or another you hear that question. Who do you think you are? I told you uh, last week or week before last that when I first started preaching, I was a teenager, and you know I, there weren't too many churches that let me preach in them. And so I, I, so I, would, go, I would go to uh, the jail, and once in a while the jailer would let me in to talk to the, the inmates, and they would laugh at me, and they, you know, because I was just a teenager, they would laugh at me and say all kinds of crude and rude and 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 uh, profane things to me, and and uh, I mean, it was unbelievable what they would do. And I'd just stand there and I'd say, God is not mocked whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap, you know. <laughs> and I'd just go, I'd just preach them the gospel, and I say, I'm not afraid of you. You're behind bars. I'm out here. I'm free. Woo! You know, and I said, if you want to be, if you want to be where I am out here and free, you need to listen to what I have to say. I mean, I just, I just bold because they were locked up. Then I'd go to the nursing homes, and I would preach to the inmates at the nursing home. And I, I been, they, they would all come out. They'd wheelchair them out there. You know, they just roll them out there, fill this little room, and and I would preach to them. And I'd think I had them eating out of my hand, and and they'd raise their hand. I remember one time a guy raised our hand, and he says. When are we going to have bingo? I got too close to one of the old ladies, and she pinched a hunk out of my leg. One guy says, where's the jello?" So, you know, but I had a captive audience. They'd go to sleep, you know. They, they would start fighting with each other. But, I, you know, God called me to preach. But they would say, you know, this young, this teenage boy, they, they, I was always, everywhere I went, I was challenged, who do you think you are? I went to, I went to the hospital, and I'm going room to room, and, and it's St. Anthony's Hospital, the hospital I was born in. And this nun comes up to me, and she has on her habit and everything, and the big cross hanging around her neck, and she sees me going room to room, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 16 years old, 17 years old. And she, caught, she stopped me, and she said, who do you think you are? I was praying for the sick. I'd sit next to them and read scriptures to them. And, and I'd pray for them. And I'd just love them. I didn't know who they were. She said, are you these people's pastor? I said, no, I'm not old enough to be a pastor, but I am a preacher. And, and she said, well, I don't know who you think you are, but you can't do what you're doing. you got to get out of here. So I got kicked out. So I went down to the Baptist hospital. Well, that wasn't any better because <laughs> I, I was a tongue talker. And, uh, and so I, I went down to the, um, I told you about this. I, I, went, I went to the next hospital, and they eventually found out what I was doing, kicked me out. And I wound up at the osteopathic hospital, and they said, well, you're come, you can come, young man, you can come here anytime you want to. I found a home. <laughs> and I became the youngest, youngest chaplain in that hospital in their history. Praise God. But I was challenged. When you try to do something for God, you're going to meet resistance. 
you're going to be challenged. And the first challenge is always your identity. Who do you think you are? Well, this morning, I'm here to tell you who you are. Amen? First of all, you're someone who's been sifted. Everybody say sifted. What do I mean by sifted? That means tried. That means you've, you've, been, you've been put to the test. You've been in the fire. God calls people who've, who've been tested and proven. Amen. Jesus said to, to Simon Peter, listen to this, Luke 22. Familiar scripture, Luke 22, verse 31. This is, this is right before Peter betrayed Jesus. I mean, just verses before Peter betrayed Jesus. Luke twenty-two thirty-one, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. You see, it's Satan that puts us through the fire. It's Satan. Why? He doesn't want us to go any further. See, I think Satan recognized that Jesus had plans for Peter. Now, I don't think Satan can see the future. I don't think he's prophetic, but I, I think he's smart. And I think he saw that Peter was a threat. And so he desired to knock Peter out. And so he, he put this extreme pressure, this temptation on him. And he failed the test. But Jesus said, you're, you're going to fail this test. Satan's going to try to test you, and, and you're not going to do so well. He's going to challenge you right off the bat, and you're, you're not going to do well. But he said, he said, I don't want you to be worried, because I have prayed for you already. Notice what he says. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted... Strengthen your brothers. See, Jesus, Jesus was prophesying to him. He said, he said Satan's going to come, and he's going he's to test you and challenge your identity. And you're not going to do too well, but I've prayed for you, so when you're converted, you're going to be converted. I'm not going to let go of you. Your faith will not totally fail you. I'll catch you when you fall. And when you're converted, when you're brought back, use your experience to strengthen your brothers. Yeah. Amen? So you know what? Anybody here ever failed God? Anybody here ever been tested, tempted by the devil and you've succumbed to it? Anybody recently? <laughs> Hands went up before I could say, don't put your hands up. <laughs> Look at somebody and say, I'm a human. I assume you are too. <laughs> Any aliens from outer space here? I don't think so. We're all human. And we, we are all tempted. Well, you know, Jesus was tempted. In every way that you can be tempted, yet without failure. We're the only ones who haven't failed. Jesus is the only one who hasn't failed. All the rest of us have failed the test. But listen to this. Romans 8.33 says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Yeah. 
It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. You know what? He's praying for you. He's praying for you before you're tested, and he's praying for you before you ever fail him. And you know what he's praying? He's praying that your faith will not fail you, and that when you're converted, you'll strengthen others. Amen? You see, I know who I am. I'm a man who has sinned. I have failed. I have messed up. But Jesus has prayed me through it. I am a sifted man. But I became shifted. I went from sifted to shifted. What do you mean, Pastor? Colossians 1 and verse 12 says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness, and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. You see, he delivered us from darkness and translated us into light. Yeah, I was sifted, but now I am shifted. Amen? I was a sinner, but now I'm a member of the kingdom of God. People are always misquoting this verse. They say, he has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness unto the king, and translate us into the kingdom of his dear son. It doesn't say kingdom of darkness. It just says from the power of it, the grip of it. You see, darkness has no kingdom. Darkness has no authority. There is no place, there is no dominion, no domain for darkness. Darkness has to always yield to light. Oh, and it can't resist light. I've come in here at night, and this room is dark, and I go back there, and I flip a tiny little switch back there on the wall, and the lights come on, and the darkness doesn't wait around. I don't have to get a broom and sweep it out. Once I flip that switch and the light comes on, darkness is instantly gone. You see, it has no authority and, and it has no right to remain. And the darkness that grips men's souls, it may look like it's a kingdom. It may look like it's powerful. It may look like, oh, this is an evil, evil thing. And it's got a hold of people's minds. It's got a hold of people's bodies. It's got a hold of people's souls. Ooh, those people are just demons. I mean, they're just bad, bad, evil people. And they're just, I mean, it's just hopeless. They're never going to change. One little beam of God's light and that darkness is gone. How do I know? Because when the lights came on in me, all the darkness was gone. And it happened in a moment of time. You know, I, re I, really, I really hate what's going on in, in, in the world right now. 
Because it looks like darkness is really coming upon the world. It looks like evil has got the upper hand. It looks like, it, I mean, it, and, and people are demonizing other people. You know, I can't believe what people are saying about Putin. Let me tell you something. Putin is just a man. We're not fighting against Putin. He's flesh and blood. By the way, he's a man who has heard the gospel preached and has witnessed the gospel preached with signs following. He has, he's a man who has witnessed not only the gospel, but he has witnessed miracles and healings firsthand. How do I know? Because Jim Maloney preached the gospel to Putin. Jim Maloney worked signs and wonders and miracles while the KGB was filming his meetings. And it's on record that Putin, as head of the KGB, viewed every one of those tapes. And what did we just say a while ago about seeds that have been planted? Seeds that have been planted, they'll come up. You see, I don't, I don't care what Putin's doing. I, we really don't know what's really happening. But I do know this, when the liberals are against somebody, when the deep state is against something, when the media is against something, the lying media is against somebody, I'm, they, they don't just all of a sudden turn around and start telling you the truth. You really don't know what's going on in Ukraine. A lot of the pictures are showing you are pictures uh, that were taken 10 years ago in A Afghanistan, in Iraq. They showed one picture of this media guy that said, you know, Putin's people assassinated him in Ukraine three days ago. And, uh, and there's a picture, the same picture is in a newspaper 10 years ago uh, in Syria where the same guy is supposed to have been assassinated in Syria. Well, come on, folks, you can't have it both ways. But they think we're so dumb they can use old pictures. Liars lie. And so what we're hearing is probably not the truth. Now, I'm not saying there's not some bad things going on, and I'm not even saying people aren't dying. I'm just saying I don't, you don't know who the bad guys really are. But I know that Putin has heard the gospel. That's all I'm saying. And so there's, there's enough power in him to deliver him from darkness. All that has to happen is one ray of light hit his soul, and all that darkness is going to go. I don't care how great a man he is and how powerful he is. I don't care. I don't care if he has this, you know, a superpower army at his disposal. When the light comes on, the darkness will be gone instantly. Amen. Nikita Khrushchev took his shoe off at the United Nations and pounded his desk in making a speech and says, we will bury the United States. Nikita Khrushchev. Y'all remember him? Back during the Cuban Missile Crisis thing, he, he was a bad man. He almost started a world war, a nuclear war. But he died 
at a guarded resort in the Crimea of slow poisoning because he had found Jesus to be his Lord and Savior, and the Communist Party quietly took him out, put him down there, and slowly poisoned him to death because he had become a Christian. Have you ever heard of a man named Anwar Sadat? He was president of Egypt. He fought a war against Israel. Remember the Six-Day War? I mean, he, he, he came against Israel, God's chosen people, right? Bad man, really bad man. But one day, a doddling old guy named Harold Bredesen just suddenly found himself in Cairo, Egypt. And somehow or another, God maneuvered things around and put him right in front of Anwar Sadat. And those of you who knew Harold Bredesen, oh God, oh, I'm so thankful to be here in this beautiful country of Egypt. Oh, I'm so thankful that God allowed me to meet the president of this wonderful country of Egypt. And he just started blessing Anwar Sadat, just started talking to him. And, and President Sadat invited him into his office. And he went into his office and he got to talking to him about Jesus. Next thing you know, Anwar Sadat's on his knees behind his desk and Harold Bredesen is praying over him and he's getting born again to the point of talking in tongues while he's still on his knees a Muslim president of Egypt. Word got out that he had done that. A few weeks later, during a parade, the Muslims assassinated Anwar Sadat. Killed him. You know why they killed him? Not because of politics, not because of any other reason, but because the light had come on. And the darkness had fled, and he was bold about it in proclaiming that he had become a Christian, that they killed him. Well, I don't feel sorry for Anwar Sadat. I'm thrilled that when I get to heaven, I'm going to meet the former Muslim president of Egypt. We don't know when the light's going to come on. The dude that's the head of China, the dude that's the head of North Korea, I could tell you some stories about how God's already encountered them. And they've already heard the gospel. That little fellow in North Korea, when our President Trump went across the line, you know, and talked to him, around that same time, God put a preacher in his path that preached the gospel to him. And that's when he started backing down from, everybody thought Trump did it. No, the light switch came on. Well, is he going to hold to it? Well, I don't know. How many times have you uh, made a commitment to God and then backed out of it? These are people. These are human beings that rise and fall and get up and fall and get up and fall again. But the seed's planted. If the light comes on, the darkness can't hold them back. That's, all, that's what I'm saying about it. So the, you, then you become shifted 
from the power or the grip of darkness, and you become translated into the kingdom authority of God's own Son. I've been sifted and shifted. Praise God. Say it with me. I've been sifted and shifted. And once you're shifted, then you become lifted. Amen. By the way, I'm sitting in church yesterday, and this just, stop, this just starts dropping into me. So I'm writing it down. I wrote down sifted, shifted, lifted, and then the next point. Ephesians 2, 4 says, but God, listen to this, but God, you need to get that in your vocabulary, but God, no matter what happens to you, but God, he's the difference. One word from God changes everything. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together. That means to, he's made us alive together with Christ. By grace you're saved. We know that very well. By grace you're saved. But look at this next one, verse 6. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. You see, I was sifted, he prayed for me, and I was delivered from that test, and then he shifted me from the power of darkness into the kingdom of his Son, and then he lifted me up out of mere humanity and placed me at the right hand of Jesus in heaven. I, have, I am now positioned. Who am I? I'm a man who's positioned in the place of authority in heavenly places. It didn't say he's going to after we die. He said he's already done it. See, you've already been lifted up. You may not know it. That's why I'm telling you. you it's not something we look forward to in the future. Yeah, we, we're, we're going to... We're going to take our spirit and soul one of these days, and we're going to go to heaven. But right now, positionally and legally, we're already positioned in heaven. Right. He's already lifted us to a place of authority in Christ Jesus, by whom he has placed all principalities and powers and authorities and dominions and kingdoms under his feet. And we are his body. And he's head over the church. And he fills the church with his fullness, with the whole fullness of the Godhead. What does that mean? Everything that is God now fills his church. And if you're a part of his church, then you're in a position of being lifted. Who are you? No, I'm, I'm somebody that was lifted. Yeah, I've been lifted. Where you been lifted up to? A place of authority? What do you mean by that? It means I have, I've got power over you, devil. That's right. Jesus said in Luke 4, he said, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you except COVID. Hello. Oh, he didn't say that, did he? Except cancer. No, he didn't say that either. Well, I've given unto you authority and power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you until you're 60 and above. You know, when this COVID came, 
came out and they, they're talking about how, you know, it, it, it's really dangerous for people that are senior citizens. And, and I, I realize how many senior citizens I have here in the church. And I got really concerned about you. And I'm praying one day, I'm praying for the, the senior citizens. And this voice came to me, you're 71. I are one. Well, Lord, should I be afraid? And the Lord said, no. I, I've lifted you above all this. You see, there's no COVID at the right hand of the Father. <laughs> there's no cancer there either. Amen? And, and you say, well, you, you talk pretty bold for a man whose wife died of cancer. Well, yeah, my wife died of cancer, and guess where she is? She's right there with Jesus. And the fact that she died of cancer does not change the Word of God. I said it the next time I got in the pulpit after her death. I said, I am not changing what I preach because I preach the Word, and my experiences do not change God's Word. If there's a failure, it's not on God's part. It's on my part. I, I assume all responsibility for failure. Amen. Amen? God has not failed, and, and God did not fail Norma because she was immediately in the presence of the Lord, and she came back in a dream and told me about it. She told me about two bronze angels with white hair that carried her. She put it this way. These two beautiful angels with these bronze muscles and, and white hair. She says, they carried me into the presence of the Lord. And then she was gone, and I haven't talked to her since. But see, I was focused on how she died. I was focused on those paddles they were putting on her and shocking her, trying to get her heart to stop. I was standing there watching this horrible scene, and I couldn't get it out of my mind. And, and I was mad at God because of, of how she died, the way she died. And, and I, was, I was offended on her behalf. And she comes back and talks about it, and she didn't, she said, didn't say one word about how she died. She didn't mention death at all. She just said, the angels of the Lord. <laughs> that liberated me, folks. I'm telling you, that liberated me. Amen. And then I had to go and say, Lord, uh, shift me. <laughs> the devil sifted me now, Lord. Pray for me, Lord, and shift me. And then he lifted me. And finally, he gifted me. Amen. Romans 12, 5 says, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another, having then gifts, differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on ministering, or he that teaches on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that rules, let him do it diligently, he that shows mercy, let him do it cheerfully." So what he's saying here is everyone that he, has, that he has shifted into his kingdom and has lifted up, he has also bestowed gifts upon you yeah. and callings. The Bible says, and they're without repentance. 
Many of us have gifts given to us that are powerful gifts. And they're not all preaching gifts. They're not all pulpit gifts. Some are administration gifts. Some are serving gifts. Some are, some are gifts for behind the scenes. But when you step up to exercise those gifts, you hear, that, you hear that, that voice that says, who do you think you are? You need to say, whoa, I've been sifted, but I've been shifted. And then I've been lifted, and now I am gifted. And I am going to use my gift for the glory of God, and you're not going to stop me. Can you say amen? amen. Everybody in this room is gifted. Everybody in this room is significant to the work of God, to the kingdom of God. There is not one person in this room, children included, that cannot offer something. These little girls, when I walked in here this morning, they brightened my day. Now I'm, going, I'm coming in here to preach and fight spiritual battles, and I'm greeted by this pretty little face. And she came up to me and hugged my leg. And I thought, yeah, I can go home now. I mean, I mean, she ministered to me. You minister to each other just by being here. Listen, folks, we don't go to church to hear a preacher. We're not man worshipers. The, the cry of my heart and the burden of my heart for any church, especially one that I'm pastoring, is that the people not only will love me, but they'll fall in love with each other. And they'll be lovers of one another. And realize that everybody has something to offer. And I'm here to get what you have to offer. But I'm also here to give what I have to offer. And, and I, I'm going to do my part. Amen? Amen. God, you know, you might have been sifted for a few years. But then you were shifted. And then you were lifted. And gifted. And then you were planted in our lives. Amen. I tried to find a ifted word for that, but <laughs> couldn't find one. So when it's all said and done, you're planted. Yeah. God sets the solitary in families. He puts you with people for a purpose so that your gift can shine. Amen. Praise God. We're not in competition with each other. Praise the Lord. You know, Friday night, I stood in front of some of the greatest preachers in the world. Papa Dorn, Richard Reese, you know, some of the some of the greatest men and women of God in the world, and I and I was asked to preach to them. Pretty humbling, and I heard those words. Who are you? And that's when this dropped into my spirit. You might, have been, you might have been tested, and you might have come through some hard stuff. Uh, Saturday morning, uh, Diane Everhart preached a message on uh, post-traumatic post distress decision. She said, we've all come through trauma. We've all experienced distress of one kind or another. For me, you know, it was the loss of my wife. And, and it, you, know, I, I've, you know, I've lived long enough. I've had a few traumas and a few distresses. 
Some of you have come through divorce. Some of you have come through uh, major illnesses, near-death experiences. Harold here died and was raised from the dead. I mean, we've got... We, 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 could all, we could talk all day long about all the distress and all the trouble we've seen. Amen? Only the Lord knows the trouble I've seen. But we've come through it. You're here, aren't you? So what's, what's your decision now? My decision is to be the person God called me to be. Amen? So who am I? Well, I wrote a little deal down just, just so I'd have something to close out with. But I want you to make this your confession too or something similar to this. So who am I? I am a son of the Most High God. Blood-bought and blood-washed brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am a temple of the Holy Ghost, and I am an ambassador of the kingdom of God with signs, wonders, and miracles following to confirm my every word. I am the righteousness of God in Christ, healed by His stripes, and a joint heir with Christ who possesses all things. I am declared the victor in all battles and the overcomer against all enemies. Satan and all of his followers are under my feet because I am positioned in the body of Christ who rules above all principalities, powers, dominions, and rulers both now and in eternity. And I am, every, I am therefore, because of this, I am everything God has called and appointed me to be with great success. That's, and that just kind of gets me rolling in the right direction. So who do you think you are? See, religion will, religion will trap you into that, that mode of, I am a sinner saved by grace, and I am bound to sin every day in thought, word, or deed. And I have to just throw myself on the mercy of God because I, I'm a loser. I'm a, I'm a sorry, no good for nothing sinner. No, I was. That's the sifting. But then I was shifted. And then the good stuff started coming. Amen. How many of you are into the good stuff? Do you know who you are? Oh, listen, it's important in these days that we're living in that you know who you are. Because the first test that's going to come is your identity. 